Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about bros. Joining me, he just downloaded Zoegger and he's ready to mingle. It's John Police. John, what's going on? Uh, I'm good, Josh. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. I would I'm, use that app. If that app existed, I would be very happy. I would use that app and I'm straight. I, I, I need some friends to talk about actresses with, you know, I, I, I was at my, I was at trivia last week and I was at a, uh, and I was, I was on a team of six people, most of them straight. And I was the only one that knew who the only actress was to win best actress four times at the Oscars. It's like, I need more friends that I can trust with this kind of information, you know, that's so, Catherine Hepburn, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those trivias where like you wager like, you know, you wager one to 20 at the end and like we wager 20. And we still didn't win. It was very frustrating, but like I got it got a second place, you know, so I, the, the only caveat I will be say is I don't want to talk about Judy at any point again in my life. And so as long as the app does not require that, I think we're good. Oh, I I like Judy. I just don't want to talk about it again. I it took up too oh, much it's space. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty, pretty I, I don't. I don't even think I did a podcast on it now that I think about it, but like, I, I mean, I, I actually enjoyed it way more than I expected. I don't know if I would have like voted for Renee to win the Oscar for it, but like, you know, I, I held together as a movie better than I would have thought. Uh, but I, uh, we're talking about a much different kind of movie today. Talking about bros. Uh, it's the newest, uh, n- newest, uh, film from, uh, e- executive producer, Judd Apatow, director, Nicholas Stoller, writer and star Billy Eichner also co-wrote it with Nicholas Stoller, who you might know from directing movies like, uh, like forgetting, like forgetting Sarah Marshall or, uh, get him to the Greek or the neighbors movies. Uh, so yeah, this is, and, and he also did the movie. I, I never actually watched friends, friends from college, which is kind of where he and Billy Eichner first really collaborated. Um, and, uh, but that, he also kind of created that show with his wife. Uh, but bros is notable in that, like he teamed up with Billy Eichner. It's a long time project that they kind of had working and got delayed a little bit because of the pandemic. But you know, it has the it has the uh, about like seven different adjectives, John. But I think the the, the most direct way to kind of say it is uh, first studio rom com uh, f- focusing on uh, LGBTQ characters, basically. Because there's been obviously plenty of plenty plenty of uh, not, I don't want to say plenty of movies, but there's been other movies uh, about the LGBTQ community. But this is kind of the first, and then it's like you know telling a very traditional rom com story, and it's being told with the the backing of a studio budget and that's why it is very notable and it's been a passion project something billy eichner has wanted to get done for a long time uh it's i mean i don't want to say it's autobiographical but the character that billy eichner plays bobby lieber i mean not exactly a a, a, not exactly a far cry from billy eichner's actual name is a new york radio new york media personality has his own podcast uh so solidarity solidarity with him uh he and he also is kind of about to be the curator of the first uh lgbtq history museum which is going to be based in manhattan which within the world of this movie first ever type of such museum and at the same time though he is a as as this kind of like somewhat well-known media personality he is very uh very uh outwardly content with being single and uh though that doesn't mean he doesn't have his own you know frustrations with the dating scene and uh all of a sudden he is at a launch party for zellweger uh, which is just the, uh, uh, the 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 dating app that both John and I are waiting for, or you know, I, the one that I would probably use. Like people use Bumble BFF, to be honest. Uh, but but uh, at, at this launch app for Zellweger, he sees a, another guy uh, who's just a just a very hunky looking dude across the way named Aaron, played by Luke McFarlane. He's a probate attorney, so I got some solidarity with that guy too. Uh, and he, they, do you hate your job as much as he does? Honestly, are you getting a chocolate here? I mean, let's have that conversation off air. But yeah, I mean, I would totally, I would, to- I, I would totally be a chocolatier rather than what my job has been like this year. I'll say that much. Uh, but, uh, but like, yeah. So Aaron is, you know, he he uh, comes across as this kind of like a, a bit more of a, you know, 
a bro to, for, for lack of better term. And, uh, and maybe just like even, even more, a little bit, even, even less interested in the traditional dating scene. And this is, uh, the first night that he meets, uh, he meets Bobby. He's about to just go, you know, have a threesome with a random couple he just met and, you know, kisses Bobby, but just kind of then repeatedly ghosts him throughout the night in a very funny edited scene, though they actually kind of come back together and they, you know, they start dating and, uh, it has its own challenges based on where these guys want to be in life and hits a lot of the beats of a traditional rom-com, but is like very funny along the way. Uh, John, I guess the first place I want to start with you, because I mean, I'd say the, the, the most, the most common, uh, genre you've joined for before is musicals, but you've done other stuff. You've done documentaries, you've done indie movies, but we've, I don't think I've ever really actually talked to you about like how you feel about the genre. Uh, of, of romantic comedies. I mean, maybe that's part of that's because there's just not a lot of reason to talk about them because there's just not a ton of them these days compared to what they used to be. But like, do you consider yourself like a fan of the romantic comedy genre? Because I mean, you're someone that like, as, as we'll, we'll just, I'm just going to tell the listeners right now, you watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall for the first time last night. So that is one that is like a very popular movie that a lot of people would be shocked when they find out someone that likes movies as much as you hasn't hadn't seen before you before before 2022 so i'm curious is it is that just one that was a blind spot for you or are you like not necessarily a huge rom-com guy i think for garrett for getting sarah marshall is a little more of a straight touch point than i think it is for gay people whereas i feel like i've definitely seen like the nora efron's nancy myers and sure. like like um frankly one of my favorite movies is as good as it gets so i don't even know if we count as a rom-com though i would count it as one um but like oh, you know it's a straight like touch point as you made the point to me last night yeah i mean you'd even have to think about it for mia kunis mia kunis right you know so <laughs> she's she, it's, it's one of those things where i'm like we, we don't need to talk about that movie um <laughs> we'll come back to it but um i will just say that there is there are definitely movies like i i've been going through in terms of like what the references are in terms of like like slippers in seattle was a movie that i grew up with made on vhs when i was growing up i know that hmm. movie um obviously like when harry met sally like um you've got mail though i'm less hot i am less high on you've got mail than people in this movie were um but even some <laughs> just like there are definitely pieces in this where like i was thinking about like 10 things i hate about you i definitely enjoy the romantic comedy genre i don't think it's like my first thing i go to when i watch movies sure but like there i think there's a really like rich genre of like especially like female written female directed like rom-cons that i have a lot of connection to um and that was the one thing with this that i was thinking a lot about is like what I guess the first thing I thought a lot about with this movie that I'll go off of that, which was like, how much can a gay rom-com build off of the tropes of straight rom-coms or how much do gay rom-coms, do we need like a set of gay rom-coms that are much more similar to like, um, oh my God, um, Happiest Season or stuff like hmm. that that are very much like, very like baseline, oh, we're gay, we're going home. There are, there are like specific gay parts to it, but that follow a very like formulaic aspect to it. And I, I think there was something really interesting about this movie that like, I think it very much tried to operate in the gay world on all of the straight rom-coms. And I think that might've, that's a very interesting choice that I am a lot of- well, so, so are, are you saying you do or don't think that's what Happiest Season was doing? Because like- I, mean, I don't Happy, think Happy I mean, Season, I think Happy Season was a very traditional rom-com. I think Yeah, yeah that's very, what I'm saying. So yeah, it kind of did the same thing in a way, right? But I, mean, I think Bros offered. is not. I think bros oh, is actually- okay, 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 okay. I misunderstood what you're saying. I thought you were yeah. saying bros did. Oh, okay. No, I'm saying that bros didn't. And I wonder if some of that- if, the, if almost you need to prime audiences for a decade of like, here are the little things different about gay, like uh, the like at one point it's like gay relationships are not the same as straight relationships, which is true. And there are pieces where it's like, I wonder if you almost have to like teach audiences how to relate to these stories in certain ways. And so they understand certain things and you don't have to have like an entire family doing the quote unquote bottom dance to explain <laughs> acceptance. And, but there are little things like this where I think, that, I actually think this movie is incredible as art, but I almost wonder if some of the ways it, it alienates the audience. It makes you question things and then brings you in 
are almost operating at a level that's very hard to do while you're also operating or at least trying to appeal to a straight audience that doesn't, that this is not the first movie they go to. And so you're doing two things at once. You're alienating the audience, but you're also like, this might be the first gay movie anyone's ever like seen it. Like not getting everything to add for, but girls like in this genre. And so I do wonder if like how you bring people in. Cause like the first 30 minutes, I was having a lot of trouble with this movie, to be honest. Interesting. Cause I, I think that's where, I mean, I think the first 30 minutes is where some of the, cause I didn't really think the trailer for the movie was that good or really indicative of the, what the movie was going to be. And I think that's a lot of what is in the first 30 minutes of the movie. And I, and, and, and I, and, and I guess, well, the, the next question I was going to actually ask you is like, uh, be, after I asked you like what, wh- how you felt about the genre is like, what, 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 you, what were you hoping to get out of a movie like this necessarily? Uh, I mean, like, what, what is your ideal version of this? Because like, I mean, when you're, when you, when you have the, that's that studio backing that budget I was referring to earlier, like, I think you, I guess at that point you are kind of like tying yourself to like trying to appeal to a broader audience. But at the same time, I think there probably is a way to like make a really good movie that a lot of people can like that doesn't necessarily feel like it's holding straight people's hands. I, so the two things I wanted out of this movie is I wanted to be good enough that even, cause I saw it after all the box office stuff, which we don't have to get into, but like, yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be good enough that this would not dissuade people that like whenever it hit streaming, people would be like, Oh, this is actually really good that it wouldn't dissuade people from like in the same way that you had like the whole Marvel females, like lead thing where it was like, can, can, a, could a female like lead happen? And it was like, yes, it can like calm down. Captain so Marvel wanted, made like a billion dollars. Yeah. Yes. I, so I wanted to be good enough that people, that this would not dissuade people. And the other thing is I didn't want to feel like it was made by a straight person. Um, there are certain, there are a lot of things in this movie when you talk about them, but it's an incredibly incisive movie. It cut kind of deep in certain ways. And there are a lot of things that whether they were stated or not, and we could, there are some editing things in this movie that are kind of fascinating, but whether it was stated or not, there were a lot of little things. There were a lot of like more explicit things, but little things about like the dynamics of the relationship, the ebbs and flows that are very specific to gay relationships. And I'm sure Billy Actor had a huge hand in, and I actually thought were like really well done. And so I was really happy because I feel like sometimes you watch gay movies and they feel very like designed to or watered down to the point where they feel like they were, they don't have that angle. And so I was really happy that like this did feel like it was telling a story that I related to intimately. Uh, don't you know, necessarily put anyone on front street, is, but, but is there like a gay movie you're specifically thinking of when you uh, when you make that comment? I think calling my name is bad. Um, that's just my oh, personal I, I forgot, and that's I made by a gay man. I just don't like calling by your name. I think it is. I think it's okay, there's cool. a lot of elements of that, but more like uh, even even Love Simon's a movie that I do not feel like was actually like made that much by gay people. I think there are pieces of it, but like there are different angles to this. I guess what I'm saying more is that like. I forgot about I told, Love Simon. Love Simon wasn't a studio movie. I don't think it was a rom com. I think they're using a very oh, specific right. set of true, language. True, it's true, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think it, but I, I think it's not even a quality thing. I think it's more of just a. I'll, I'll give the perfect example. There is a really interesting angle throughout the entire movie about when you're in a gay relationship and you're dating someone different from you. What that means. There, you talk about like twins, like siblings are dating with gay people all the time where people date the exact same thing. But when you're dating someone different from you, there is a, they have things that you don't. And there's an insecurity about, do they actually like me from that? How different are they? Like, are they what, do they even like me? Like you get the whole thing. And there are elements that from both sides, but what you get is both from Bobby and Aaron is the other name, correct, Aaron? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, they both have these insecurities about things they admire and the other one they don't have. And that to me 
it's especially like it's specifically gay thing in the way that you have this dynamic between wanting to be someone and wanting to date someone and like especially when you're the same gender there's all these politics to that and i thought it was really fascinating how all the things that they admired the other person also made them insecure and how you deal with that and how you can accept that someone loves you but also is different from you and that felt very like uniquely queer and told in a way that it was the central part of the story was how they were able to there was a clear attraction between them but how they are able to and there are a lot of pieces of this but like able to accept one another but also accept that the other person cares about them and all those things and how they're able to come through it and so i thought that was like really incisive and i enjoyed and they set it up really well in so much as like you know you hit the hour 10 minute mark of a lot of rom-coms and you're like Oh, I guess that we're we're gonna have to come for the like the breakup soon, so they can there's so there's enough time for them to have to get back together at the end or and everything like that. And I, I had that thought as I was watching this movie too, and I was like, all right, yeah, like I know they're gonna have hit some kind of rock or something like that, but like it did it in a way where it like felt kind of earned. I mean, they they spent a lot of time like setting up who these guys were as people, such that like it kind of made sense what it was that ultimately like tore them apart for the length of time that they were apart, even if it wasn't really that long in the grand scheme of this movie's runtime and like so i i it just did it just it, it it didn't feel like a perfunctory oh we got we we, we got to split them up it's like we we like totally get like why bobby might feel you know insecure even before they uh even before they introduce the uh uh what, what's the the steve the steve character who's just who's just hilarious the the, the guy the guy that uh, aaron knew from high school or whatever uh, like josh was his name oh, 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 oh shit was he josh why, why did i put Wait, is there? Oh no, no it was this, maybe. Oh, oh no, it was Steve. Steve. Was, no, wait, wait, wasn't? I think Steve might have been the guy that tried to get in on the threesome. I, I'm now I'm like, uh, I thought uh, so, shoot, but... uh, or the the guy that tried to turn it into a foursome. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm... yeah. I think you're right. Or was it? Oh, no, maybe I, no. I think you're right. I think I'm wrong. I basically, I think that I I think they really set up uh, Bobby's insecurities well even before you like introduce Josh, which is just like you know another like kind of like very useful plot device to like kind of like ma- ma- make him even feel that even more and like and there's so many points throughout where like Aaron like feels a little bit of a fish out of water, like probably just like trying to like, you know, uh, hang in the spaces that Bobby hangs in. And it, it, but like you, you buy that they have some attraction such that they will come into each other's orbit, but you also understand why they might not feel hundred percent at home within those orbits. And it just, it, it, I, I just think it like really flowed really well in, and I get what you mean where you're saying like they're doing things different from like the regular rom-com trips, but it's still hitting some of the same beats, but it's hitting them. It hit them to me in like a, in a fresher way. So I, I really appreciated that. So there are definitely Josh's that I will say just personally, as someone who graduated <laughs> college in 2015, the number of people I have found out since college have come out that like, I had no idea were gay during college is like a lot larger than I would expect given I graduated in 2015. Like I, so I actually like, I'm a, I'm a grad student RA at Harvard and like, yeah. I do a lot of BWQ stuff. And one people thing I tell people all the time is I'm like, I know it's 2022. There are a lot of people here who are not out yet. And like mm. a lot of stuff we do is around that. Cause like, it's, it's a process and it's one of those things you have to come to on your own terms, but and the characters in this movie are in their 40s. So I guess that character is technically supposed to be like late 30s, early 40s when he came out. But I mean, I'm sure that happens, you know? Oh, totally. And I, I guess there's a little bit. So with Bobby and Aaron, there's this really interesting dynamic where I don't know if this is a gay thing or if this is a loud thing, but there is something. And this happened to be a lot in my life, which is just like the you need to tone it down. And that can be just that you're too loud, you're too talkative. There are a lot of things. And you have two different characters, one of whom has built his entire life around rejecting those things, but then like building up a shell around himself to be like, no, I am not going to acquiesce to those things. But then has had to harden himself. You have Bobby who's outspoken, but like is constantly almost like ready to be hurt by that. And you have Aaron who's just 
given up like he's just like been willing to let that part of himself go and so you have this angle where it's like you see both sides of it and i think the brilliance of the two characters is that they're so dynamic opposite but like the one thing i will say is that they both they have incredible chemistry i think that it's like very clear that like there is chemistry on screen and so i think there is you buy it but i do think in terms of the joshes in terms of all those things there's just like a lot of different elements in terms of what they're insecure about what they are having trouble accepting in themselves and that's like where the dinner scene comes in it's there are a lot of different pieces of this but i think the way it's done is even even to the career thing there're just a lot of different aspects where they come from opposite corners and i think that's where the tension comes from um and i think that like is kind of i think it's more incisive than if it's just like if josh were a more fleshed out character that like he was dating at the same time or something like that it's just it's not that black and white it's a lot more introspective than that yeah so what did what did you what's your relationship with billy eichner as an entertainer and like how did you think he held this movie together i so i obviously like i've seen plenty of billy on the street like mm-hmm. i don't has he been in anything else? I like not thinking. Like you said, I, like I said, he did that Friends from College show, which I, I I never watched. And then he's like got he's a little bit like in the Ryan Murphy like you know troop and like played like Matt Drudge on uh, American Horror Story, the uh, Monica Lewinsky uh, impeachment season. He did something in another American, a couple other American Horror Story seasons, and like and like I've I've just like and then he did something on this other. He had his own show, I guess, that he called Difficult People that he um starred in, and I just I just hadn't seen most of his stuff, so it's like my only exposure to him was like Billy on the Street and like Parks and Rec, and he had like a very controversial character on Parks and Rec. Like they that talk about like to their credit, I guess, not telling him to tone it down and be quiet, but like it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I think the bigger problem was like this, the writing wasn't great for that character. just wasn't funny. And so it's like, I, I, I liked him as a, like a presence from when I'd seen Billy on the street, but like that was it. So it was kind of interesting when I saw he was going to like lead a movie and I thought he did a pretty solid job for acting. Like there's like, oh, he has to do a lot of different things in this movie. So the interesting thing about Billy Eichner in this movie, uh, and first of all, I will say, I did watch a few episodes of friends from college. I did not finished the first season this was years ago but yeah. the, the beginning of this movie reminds me a lot of that where like you kind of hate everyone and like <laughs> there's like i i generally at the beginning of this movie i was like oh everyone sucks and like it slowly sucks you in but at the beginning they present them both like the the there are a lot of facets we talked about the promotion but they suck you in but i think there's a really interesting aspect of this movie where the so everyone always talks about tom cruise and eyes wide shut as this example the one that's coming to my mind is matt damon in like the oceans trilogy where you have a character who's the character itself is dependent on like is answering to and commenting on their celebrity persona and i think this character is doing with billy on the street a lot where you have a lot so a lot of the things that make billy eichner good at this movie are the things that make him dislikable in real life and make him maybe not the best mouthpiece to be giving quotes about X, Y, or Z to the to variety. And so it's interesting in that I think that, like I think there's a lot of commenting on his per- own persona there. And I think it does work. And I think he carried it. And I think frankly, he's able to give a good monologue and able to carry it. That said, I do wonder if like we could talk about like some of the things that I was less high on in this movie or like things that Mm. i was left confused by but i think him carrying the movie i think he absolutely does it well and i think part of that is i think the character exudes this like insecure like fervency like there's like this vibration to the character where you have a lot of energy but you also can feel the need for validation the character and so you can see where 
he wants to be loved by Aaron, but he also doesn't feel like that is ever a realistic thing. He, he, and so, he, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to like need to be loved by him. He's, you know, I guess, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he's confident he doesn't need it, but like he wants it, I guess is the way to put it. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, Can we talk about Luke McFarlane's like oh, past yeah. relationship with Luke McFarlane? Cause I have one with him. I oh, watched brothers really? and sisters. I watched, I watched, a, lot I watched a little bit of that show too, but like not enough to like remember him. All I remember was I was started the movie. And I was like, Oh, like, I mean, he looks like such a generic, like hot white guy. And so I was like, Oh, this guy's hot. And I was like, wait, I recognize his face. And I was looking, I was like, I, I remember Sally Field, brothers and sisters. And so he was like one of the, one of the brothers in it. But I just remember, I, I know nothing about what he played on it. I have no distinct memories, but I was like, oh, I definitely like already seen this guy. And I think it's. Apparently exactly he came like, out, he apparently came out in the middle of being on that show. Cause he came out in 2008 and that show was on from 2006 to 2011. That sounds about right. Um, and I think there's something really interesting about having a character like everyone was arguing that like, oh, Chris Evans wanted to play this. Why don't you do this? And I think the nice thing about this character is he's such a cipher. You don't really know anything about him. And so when you have as like, the only thing you learn about him is like boring. And then as you learn more about him, you come to understand his inner life. You understand his own insecurities. You understand why he is the way he is and what his dreams and what his hopes were. And I think that's a really important thing because Billy Eichner's character is like narrated the beginning. You have a lot of information on that end and it's kind of dislikable. And then on the other end, you have the cipher. And I think as the both characters open up, I think it's a asymmetric information flow that reflects what the characters know, which is a really good storytelling choice. But I think in terms of the actor in that, I think the fact that you don't know much about Luke McFarlane, I think helps that because you don't come into this movie with any prior baggage about this guy. Yeah, I think it'd be He's, pretty weird if it was like a recognizable guy, especially like a recognizable straight actor. Uh, that'd be, uh, yeah, I think you know, so too. Yeah, it'd be even stranger. I think I, I, I did like how they like kind of like feel. I mean, it's weird. Like, I mean, I, it was on Brothers and Sisters, which is like, a, I guess, a, a decently popular show enough so to get five or six seasons on ABC. And then he just kind of became a Hallmark movie actor, which is like nothing wrong with that. But it's kind of cool that like he that's where he's been for a while since the last time you would have seen him and even playing straight roles on that, which is like, you know, good for him for getting those roles. Like we, uh, but like, you know, it's cool that like they plucked him out of that to like come do something like this. And that he's up to the challenge and like, yeah, he's like, it's maybe a little easier acting assignment to like be the blank slate, but like there has to be a lot more to that character as the movie goes on. And I think it's more like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if like you could probably better comment if what they're doing on it than me, but I feel like there's like a, Maybe a uh, maybe a not as um maybe a a, a a not as insightful movie that makes that character more just like a victim of his own internal homophobia and internalized homophobia and I don't think that's really it with him I think he just doesn't no, really know yeah. what he wants to be and I it's, and I think the movie tells that story well he I don't think what I would say is he has internalized homophobia I think he has internalized insecurities about who he is as a gay man. Yeah. And like, again, another angle where you talk about like these characters having those pieces is you have Aaron, who's goes to the gym a lot, is on, I think it was testosterone as he's doing. It's not technically hormones, but like basically. I think Bobby's like, I'm just going to do Roy's later in the movie. <laughs> oh, one thing we just have to say about this movie is this movie is so funny. There are so many good, just like one-liners. Like this felt more joke dense than, I think then like there are elements of neighbors and forgetting Sarah Marshall in terms of the raunchiness, in terms of like some of the, the body humor, but this was very joke dense. This felt like 30 rock joke. Well, I was going to ask you a couple like, questions about that. One, were you like, one, were you like pleasantly surprised by the raunchiness? I, th I guess you might've known it was rated R, but like, you know, and I, I know you didn't get a chance to watch fire Island yet, but like that one is yeah. like incredibly raunchy, but it's like, you know, it's on Hulu. It's not the studio thing. And like, it's, 
all on fire island and here it's like you know like we're just like a studio comedy that's mostly they have the they have the one detour to provincetown but like largely just like a, a new york movie were you expecting it to like have the level of raunchiness and that it did and were you and how do you think they like actually there was it was there enough for you also maybe maybe there should have been more i don't know oh no they didn't need more at least in my <laughs> opinion um i think the foursome this- reveal is kind of hilarious <laughs> That's a very real thing of being the odd person out in those kind of situations is a very real thing that I will plead the fifth on. Um, I will just say that I think that that ties back to what I was saying at the beginning about like the rom-com structure and what tropes we have. I think if you under, if we'd had eight or 10 gay movies and one of them had something about like a threesome that someone was the left out on or someone had something with like those things I think you could build those in more naturally and I think they were a little bit out of left field in a way that I don't know if worked and I don't know if worked to try and be a blockbuster like studio comedy I Hmm. think like like I guess what I'll say about this movie is I think it worked as art but I'm not sure if it would work as like a studio like success if that makes sense I, like, well i mean financially it wasn't again i yeah. don't know I, I don't need to have the larger meta conversation about that but like maybe maybe there's something to that but i i, I tend to think that like you know pe- pe- people didn't people did not go to the movie because of that there's other factors uh working against it in that regard but like i mean i i some i mean i guess i mean i did like that reveal of the foursome i i, I got a big laugh out of that but I, I don't know maybe i feel like some of the the things that stick with me more aren't even necessarily the most raunchy like like the deborah messing joke or whatever it's like like i can't believe i'm saying this but deborah Messing, you're gonna have to wait like that was like the, the one of the funniest like lines in the movie or like i mean in like i guess it was kind of involving a hookup but like where he like fakes his voice at the gym and then hooks up with that guy and then the guy's like all put off when he like is using his regular voice and then he's like right on the doorstep and he sees the barbara streisand poster and he's like oh this is like yentl if you think about it and the guy's like leave like i i i i I lost and there's only like five people in my theater and i was the only one that laughed at the yentl joke but i was just like man like even in like this is so sharply written with like great jokes even in the moments that aren't just like the the gross out moments which i really appreciate but also, like, whatever you call the gross-out moments in terms of, like, I actually think there was a lot of... I, that, that that was a bad term. I should not have said gross-out. No, know I, but, I like, you, but you mean, like, you mean, like, the nudity and stuff like that, which is fair. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think... I think they are meant... Like, they actually... I, I actually don't think you're wrong to say gross-out moment there. Like, I don't think that's, like, homophobic or anything, because I do think it actually is meant to, like, put you off. And I think part of what those moments do is they put you in Bobby's point of view, which is that you don't feel good enough in these situations. You're not wanted in the foursome. You're like not, like no one's paying attention to you. And so it's one of those things where like, like there is this tension of like, is it even worth dating someone hotter than me? Cause are they even really interested in me? Or am I just like, like they just want attention. And, and all those moments build up a question of like, how much of yourself do you hide? How do you have to approach these things? What, what does the world expect of you? Like, I always think about like, just in terms of like working out and those kind of things, they're just things that the gay community expects of you. And on one hand, it you look better, but on the other hand, it's like very transactional. We're like, let's be very honest. As I like worked out more during the Trump administration, I could make a straight line in terms of the more fit I got, the more people responded to me on dating apps. It just is what it is. And it's very, and so it's one of those things where it's like, is this my only value? What does this mean? And so I think those moments work incredibly well in terms of the storytelling. I don't know if all of them needed to be there, but cool. I, but, but one thing going off of that, one thing I was really curious about is like the title of bros. And first of all, they don't actually, not to my notice, they don't like call them. They don't think they're like bros, bro. Like they, they didn't really do it as far as I could tell, but there is a like faded line in this movie about like 
when they're actually in a relationship and how that develops and like was like the pivotal kind of moment in the movie cheating and those kind of things in in a way that like reminds me a lot of discourse about like situationships in terms of like well how far into this were we how far what are we and so there's kind of this sliding where like what's fascinating about the movie and the relationship is the fact that they are clearly drawn to each other that keeps happening and I think what's interesting is despite them being so different they clearly have this attraction and it kind of builds but I do think those unclear lines I don't know if that was a note where like it was going to be more clear or less clear I don't really understand how that do you think it's supposed to be ambiguous as to like whether or not they're in a full-out relationship at the point where he's like doing Christmas with this family I think that he was I think they are dating at that moment Mm -hmm. but I also think but but okay uh, to anyone listening to this if I'm gonna spoil something right now I think if they are in a full-out we are we are dating I think it makes it much harder to accept what he does with Josh right after that. Hmm. Gotcha. I, like, Wait, I actually uh, struggle uh, with uh, that. Uh, uh, oh, like if the, if it's like you're my boyfriend, you don't think he like takes him back at that point? Like that. So, the, the, but but the thing about that sequence is that he he storms out of the dinner. They never like break up at that moment if they were in a relationship, mm-hmm. and then he's unbuttoning Josh's pants behind the gay club three minutes later, mm-hmm. and so it's one of those things where like. When they're like, it'll take him back. And I'm like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> like, I was very conflicted about that. And I was thinking about why I was so conflicted about whether or not he actually should do that. And then I was thinking more about the relationship. And I was like, I don't really, I was a little unclear on exactly how that fit together. And so it made it a little harder for me to feel one way or another about them getting back together than if I think if they were in a hard, like, yes, we're boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend, heteronormativity, <laughs> uh, hell of a drug. Um, I think it would have been harder to make that final act. And so I wonder if some of the ambiguity was that, but I also think that that, I also think that may have held back some of the way they marketed the movie, because I think calling it bros, if it were like bros, the question mark, or if it were like, mm-hmm. like them, maybe like drinking together in the park and it's like, like bros or something like that. Or I still think the title sucks, but I think there might've been a way to have the ambiguity be part of the story. And I felt like, in a lot of ways, I felt the ambiguity was actually more of just because if this were a straight movie, it would be much clearer that they were just in a relationship and then you have right. to deal with whether or not the cheating is there. And so it was very amorphous. And so I struggled with like, what are we supposed to think they're in? What are we supposed to make of that? Did we, did it count as cheating? Were that they broken up? In that, like, that is a good point in that like, uh, for as much credit as I miss, for, I mean, I, I, I do give it credit because I think like, I mean, the cheating aside, like what drove him apart in the moment before that I thought was like pretty interesting and felt different from what I'd seen in other rom-coms. But I guess what's also different is like the a lot of rom-coms, like the coming back together at the end, it isn't because they have to get over cheating usually. Like it's, it's, it's it, it, the, the, that's usually not an element of these things. And I, that wasn't something I thought about a lot after I saw this. I just, I don't know, I guess I just kind of like took it at face value where it was like, yeah, he could forgive him, you know. I mean, but like, I guess in the in the stretch of like twenty minutes in a movie, I can get why I can get why that might not just be something that someone can just necessarily like take at face value. I don't really know why I did though. Um, but there's also uh, there are other red flags in that too, which is like, oh, I guess. Well, hold on, I'm contradicting myself then because they do have the discussion beforehand about opening the relationship in terms of having the threesome with Josh that turns into the foursome with. C. Yeah, but, but then Bobby explicitly says, I, "I didn't like that." Yeah, he didn't like that. And so it does go, but if they did define it that way, then I guess they are in formal relationship at that point. And that actually makes it harder to accept that decision at that point. But 
I wasn't sure. I guess that is that is like basically an exclusivity conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and so I guess the the argument more would be like, is this a uh, like a a Ross and Rachel, we were on a break thing where like, did they break up at the restaurant? And so it's right, but it's more like they had a fight, and that I mean, and I mean, I guess I guess in theory that's kind of what it is with the Ross and Rachel thing too. Like, how bad does the fight have to be for it to be a break? I guess I don't know. Yeah, and Um, so 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 that was hard for me to like come around on, and I'm still conflicted about it in some ways. I like that whole Josh thing raises red flags to me. And so it's one of those things where like, if you told me the epilogue of this movie was six months later, they broke up and Aaron and Josh are now dating. Would that surprise me? Not really. And so that's, I feel like not my favorite part of the movie, but that said, I do like that the arc of the Bobby character is accepting that someone could love him enough to actually like try for it. And so I do like that, but it's a, I will say though, one thing I will mention about the pacing of the movie is I actually felt like I felt rushed at moments. I feel like the early went on along, but I felt like I wish there was a little more of them being a happy couple in that middle stretch. There's a little bit of it, but you kind of go from P town. You have a little bit of like the picnic, but it's only like little bits. And then you're right at the dinner. And so I felt like Mm -hmm. I didn't have as much of them. Like I didn't buy them as like a happy couple in that inner, like, like uh, interceding moments to go into that as much as I wish I had. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. It doesn't take that long to accomplish that. Like only so much of the movie can just be like everything going fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I respect movies that can go a long time without conflict, but like, you know, it could just, it could have just been like another scene of like having him around all of his friends who he met earlier in the movie and saw that they were doing their own things in life. And then seeing how Aaron fit in with all them. And that, that could be, it could be five minutes and you should have room for that at a two hour and something minute movie like this one is. Or even it could be a scene that furthers the plot in terms of their dynamic but it, it still comes in that middle section where you still get, because the one thing the movie does do well is their chemistry is evident from the beginning. And so in terms of the chemistry, you don't need it, but I would have liked to have a little bit more of that. But well, one of my, one of my tropes or one of the tropes I don't like in rom-coms generally is like the actual getting together in the first place. You don't really understand. And it's like, sometimes they like, you know, I think one movie that like, you know, I think people thought about a lot with in, in conjunction with this one was train wreck. I mean, that's another, you know, that, that's a, a, under the Apatow umbrella and like, in that one, like, if you go back and watch that, like, like uh, Bill Hader and Amy Schumer meet, and then like, there's like a five minute montage, and then there's it's just a montage, and they're together. There's no real scenes of them really talking, you understanding like wh- why why they're even attracted to each other. And I like Trainwreck a lot, and yeah. it's just like that's just it's just that that's one of the first times where that started to become like a real uh, like a a, a, a real like a, a, that a real hang up for me with certain rom coms. And I thought like here it's like they really kind of like took their time before they even got to the point when they're together. I I I, t- I totally get how like yeah they could have like showed how they were functioning as a really uh, effective couple a little more, and that probably makes it all the more heartbreaking when they actually do break up. But like, mm-hmm. I really thought that like they the pace at which they did get them together in the first place, like they have the time to show that date. They have the they have the Provincetown trip. They have the uh, I mean, there's the first night and I think there's like at least and, and the scene at the park. I mean, like or yeah. So like, I mean, I think there's like oh, they actually do take the time to like show like how these guys can connect. And and even the scene where he goes to the museum, like they, they, they show him like meeting up a lot before it even gets to that point, which is honestly pretty unique for rom-coms rom-coms like yada yada that stuff a lot so i i guess i respected it so much for that that i I wasn't even necessarily like thinking about the fact that like we didn't really get to see him as a couple couple but like i hear you on that you do get i will say the scene they do give you of them with all their friends at that dinner Mm -hmm. is not very long but it does kind of you you do get it i still i wish there was more but i will say okay so there there was one where aaron was with the friends 
Yeah, it's like a very oh, okay. short scene. It's like oh, okay, it's like them okay. all laughing at a table. It's, it's maybe okay. It's been it's, it's been a week since I saw it, so that's why I that's, forgot. Okay, that's uh, okay. It, um, but it is that said, I do will compliment it on exactly what you're saying about like. I think also the non-linear path of them getting together is like something I kind of buy. Like there's something about that initial club scene that reminds me of like, first of all, just like people I've met, but also just like dating apps where it's like, if you're right in front of someone, yeah, they're present, but like, it's not even like malicious. It might just be like, oh, it's tomorrow and I've forgotten about you. And so like the fact that they like exchange numbers is like not shocking to me. The fact that they were like, like, actually had some attraction we're like okay let's like go out or something like that and so i i like i completely agree with you overall i just i think it works i like for all the complaints i have about these little things i was bought in on them i saw bits of myself in both of them which i think is something that's really good about it and i think you can also see the way they're both compromising and learning from each other and growing in a way that it's not just like we're separate now we're together it reminded me a little bit of like when Harry met Sally in that way, where it's like, I don't do relationships kind of thing. And so, or like, or like no, no one wants to date me. I'm just gonna be single. And he, over time, they kind of through each other learn like, oh, maybe this can be part of it. And so I like the way it builds. And I like the fact that like, they are so different, but that's a feature, like not a bug, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, as I told you last night, I, I, I watched Weekend for the first time, and like I, which I really I thought was great, and uh, and at first I was just like, at first I was like, well, I mean, like, look, I, I know what I'm getting into. Like, I know Andrew High doesn't really make comedies, like I, but like, you know, I figured it's, a, I knew it was a movie that like that 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 you really cared about, and I'm like, okay, well, I could see like have at least have one other reference point for like just a, a a gay movie about like a couple of some sort. I didn't really know much beyond. I didn't know a lot of the. Well, not that it's a real plot, but I was just like, I thought it, I, it, I was glad I watched it though, because like, it, it, I thought it, it actually like, there were more, there were more parallels than I kind of expected after I watched it. And it's like these two different, these two guys, like one of them, like, you know, has like, I mean, well, actually, you know, in, in theory, kind of like, I'd say like in bros, they're both kind of like in certain ways, like anti-relationship, maybe more Aaron, more so than that, more so than Bobby in a way, but like it, it one, one guy in, in, in one guy in weekend is just like very 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 anti that and it's like it's it's kind of cool to like just see these different stories about like how people think about themselves in that way like i'm a relationship guy i'm not a relationship guy this 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 prior life experience has made it so i don't even need to go there and i it it was kind of cool because it was just like I, i i was like oh wow like I, I just thought I was getting myself into something like completely different, but like, here's just a different way to tell a story about like uh, a couple guys and like that, like are w- really looking for different things and also both have their own insecurities and hangups. They were slightly different in that, but you kind of get the idea where it's like, all right, well, these are things that could kind of apply to straight relationships too, but there's like other certain kind of pressures that come with like gay relationships. And I think, I mean, that's, that whole thing's a little different because that movie was like probably made in 2010 or whatever, but like, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, yeah, like, sure straight people can find stuff to relate to in that but like there's like a whole other like i'm just like kind of set of like i don't know expectations and like hang-ups because you because the external like you know forces that you face when you're trying to deal with how the straight community might judge you at the same time and or or like you know how everyone kind of has their own trauma that they're interrogating throughout weekend about like you know what happened when you're when you came out and it's like all this stuff kind of like kind of feeds into someone like maybe like you know maybe going a little longer without figuring out exactly like who they are or what they want. And it's, I, I think 
it's kind of cool to like see that done really well in like a, a drama, dramatic movie like Weekend, but see like bros be able to like tackle issues like that, but like still be a really freaking funny movie at the same time. I think I think it's cool that like it went to similar places like something like Weekend, but like found a way to be a comedy also, even if like Weekend might obviously be like a, a better, objectively better movie. I think it's like an, probably an objectively just as hard of task to like be as funny as it is, but still accomplish a lot of that. No, I agree. And I think there's a, so Weekend has a lot of the, same elements that bros has there there are certain aspects to it like some of it's the sexual politics of like literally gay sex some of it's just like some of the like there are pieces of gay relationships in terms of and i want to say internalized homophobia because that's not quite it but there are things that people have trouble with and like especially when you've been programmed your entire life to be like this is not what you should be it just is hard to come overcome those things but i also think there's a little bit with it's true in both of them i think it's true in bro especially in, it's true in both of them is that there is just like a fish in the pond aspect of gay relationships where there's just like fewer people. And so sometimes I've always heard the analogy where it's like being gay in a big city is being like straight in a small town and being gay in a small town is like being like straight in like the middle of nowhere. And there's just like fewer options. And so it's one of those things where when you find something that's special, you really want to hold on to it. And that's what makes, I think both Bobby and Aaron kind of scared is like, I would bet, I think they say this, but I don't think I've ever like found something like this before. And so there's also just like this kind of terror of like, oh, I actually got something here. But like, for instance, and this happens in the movie when Aaron's like, oh, now I want an open relationship. That's like a very real concern people have of like, you get in a relationship with someone, you find something out and then they actually want something different. And like- no, it's the same thing in I Weekend. Sure the first thing you ask is like, I got something to tell you. Oh, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> or even like- um. I mean, like maybe the straight version of this is like wanting kids or not, where people like aren't honest about that. And then you find out later, but like mm. the open relationship thing is like a really big issue that like a lot of people run into where like some people really want it. Some people really don't. And so it is, they're, they're both, I, I, we don't need to go on about weekend. Cause I it's probably one of my favorite movies ever, but mm -hmm. I think that there were like little things in that movie. And there were little things in this movie that just like, you could understand where the characters were coming from. You could understand that like, the care that was put into it. And I think that's the one thing I don't want anyone to underestimate that this movie is like, as much as I get the sense that like, I wonder if, if it were a little bit less acerbic at the beginning and like brought it back a little bit, it might've, it might be an easier sell in some ways. If it's like, they're completely different people, but they fell in love and how are they going to deal with it? And like, and that is kind of the plot of the movie. It's like, they're very different people. Um, though at the beginning of the movie, it's like, they both suck. And then it's like, yeah, maybe they don't. But I think it's something really interesting about like how you build those things in and kind of like, I don't know. It's how you tell that story. And I, I think yeah. this movie is exceptionally like well-built and like, we should talk about like some of the jokes because the jokes are incredible in this movie. Um, Deborah Messing is an well, icon. So, yeah. Well, I, I think I, I mentioned the Deborah Messing joke. I mentioned the Barbara Streisand joke. I'm wondering, cause uh, you said you saw it in a, in a, in a theater that had about 20 people and probably most of them gay men. Were there certain moments in there that like, your audience was let's just say sophisticated enough to get that like maybe some of our listeners might not have really picked up on like were there any really funny incisive jokes that like might have gone over some of us straight people's heads i don't think so okay like nothing there wasn't anything that was especially like there wasn't like a reference to poppers or something like that um i, th I oh no okay wait i thought there was. That i remember maybe there was there were a lot of jokes in this movie yeah and i was just having a good time um Okay, well, even even if it wasn't like, oh, this is just for the gay people, like, what what, what were some of the things that, like, really stuck out to you? Because I kind of already went through my favorite jokes. I mean, there's just a little bit of, like, um, who plays... Do gay, do, gay, do gay people really idolize Deborah Messing to that extent? 
Oh, oh yeah. Well, it was yeah. so funny because he's just like having a breakdown and starts telling her his entire life. And she's like, no, I am a person. <laughs> it was incredible. Not just um, Grace. I I will say the um what was was there the hat at the award show that was meant to be the stone wall that was like rotating on the person's head? Uh, uh, yeah. There were just some of those, like the, the joke of the 11th brick at Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were little things like it, it, the joke density reminded me a lot of, we talked about this from 30 Rock. 30 Rock um, the, yeah. the Garth Brooks shit was funny. Like the fact <laughs> that they were just like, they, again, there were a lot of, I'll give a perfect example. Like, this is the thing that happens to me a lot in my life. Actually, I'm like a very big sports fan. I like watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of like basketball. I'm like, my dog is named after like a hockey player. And I get like actually quite a bit of shit from like gay friends of mine about that. They're like, oh, he's masked. And I'm just like, and so there are things like that that just like you, and, like, it's not even mean. It just is a thing that happens. And so it is interesting where you have the jokes about like, oh, he's a Garth Brooks fan. Is he even gay? Like he sent me a, uh, what was the thing about, he sent me a uh, uh, office. Uh, uh, office, yeah, yeah. office, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so there are ones like that. Uh, who plays um, Aaron's mother? Cause she's like. So she's, she's actually like, a, she's actually like a fairly well-known, like her name is Amanda Burse. Who's, and she's like, I mean, she's a lesbian, I guess, but like she's um, publicly a lesbian, publicly out for almost 30 years apparently. And like, so. Oh, she's not married with children. Uh-huh. Yeah, so some, somewhat of, somewhat of like, so, somewhat of a known actress that then came out, but like has been like, apparently like. I don't know. I, I'm not the one to call someone a gay icon, but I feel like I heard someone refer to her that, as that on a podcast in the last week. So, um, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny that like that that they actually had a lesbian uh, in the role of the person that like who, who had the gay son that was afraid to be gay around her. Basically, <laughs> it's. I will say, um, just in notes about Nick Stoller, where it's like you talk about some of like the the like explicit like nudity and stuff like that. But I will just say there is like a um, like Neighbors is a movie that if you t- like it's. Imp- surprising to me that a straight person made that movie given that like the entire movie is around like literally Zac Efron being hotter than all hell and, and, and like in some so- ways it's kind of actually a love story between him and the Dave Franco character even as, as big as yeah. the as, as big of a presence as Seth Rogen is in that movie like I think those two are like the heart of the movie in a way it's um what I would call like homosocial where it's like not like homoerotic but like there's a lot of like uh gay undertones to it and mm. so there is something about that where it's like the movie does use Aaron as an object, but kind of also like flipping that perspective. But I, I like, there's no in- single joke where I'm just like, this is perfect. But I also will say just like, I was not expecting it to be as constantly laugh out loud funny. I must've laughed out loud like 50 times during this movie. Like I was like cackling. Like this was, hmm. and like, it was, it was very funny. I think that like a lot of the jokes are like little humor or like little, uh, like, the, the round table they have at the LGBTQ museum where like the bi person is always like, we only get a week and you get a month. And like, everyone's fighting about who who's worse it to be queer. And then Bobby's there as like the white cis gay man just being like, well, and so it's like very, like, that's actually a real thing that happens. They're also, so, it was also kind of low hanging fruit, but I laughed every time they like just reference how they were making another historical figure gay for the purposes of their museum. <laughs> the whole, I, I the, the the whole plot point hinges on like Abraham Lincoln being made gay for their museum. And they're like, I'm Da Vinci, and I might have been by, or uh, it just it's uh, I enjoy and like the fun. The good thing about the movie though is those jokes have real things rooted in them. Where like there are a lot of like, what's the joke that everyone does on like TikTok now? Where it's like they were they were in a gay relationship for thirty years, and historians will say they were were best friends. And it's one of those things where like there like there is a very important thing where like um another gay thing that I loved was they had the um um uh, uh, uh that howard was the documentary the howard ashman documentary they did on disney plus 
Um, and Howard Ashman was like this gay icon. He wrote Little Mermaid. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. And he wrote Beauty and the Beast while he was dying of AIDS. Like mm. a lot of Beauty and the Beast is like very influenced by like his own feelings about being gay and like having AIDS and like kind of identifying with the beast. And it's about him like those later days of his life. And like one thing about like gay people is that we like don't, people don't like to talk about like, oh, the perfect example. Like we talked about, I like do a lot of stuff with like queer students like at Harvard. I, if I try to tell you who are gay faculty, are there gay, even just like as like role models, that's a very hard thing to figure out. Like there are a couple who like are in like, like the, the gender sexuality department who talk about it a lot. But if I just like, there are professors, I'll perfect example, one of my professors junior year who I was very good friends with, who like wrote my recommendations, who I know, I didn't know until after I graduated and I was like friends with them on Facebook, they need a husband. Like just no one, like, and those are the kind of things where like, I think part of being queer is you like are desperate for role models because your parents can't be that. Your parents are not like, unless, unless like, unless you were dotted by a gay couple and you're also gay, you just don't have those things. And so there is a like, I think people boil it down to being a sexuality thing and like objectifying, but it's not that. It's more just like you're desperate for people who you can identify with and can, you can see as role models. And like, you really lack that because people don't talk about it. A lot of gay people, but like between the ages of like, like just older than these characters all died of AIDS. Like they talked about like, they all born, like they're like 96. One of the characters in the movie talks about how like, once he made it to like 99, he knew he wasn't going to die of AIDS. And so he bought this house in Provincetown because all his friends yeah. died. It's and a so Harvey Fire scene character when they're at, yeah. yeah. And like, that's a, that's, it's humorous, but it's also a real thing. And so the thing about those museum moments that I found interesting is like, yes, it is funny in that way. And it's definitely like funny. And we can talk about other presidents who probably also were not straight, but there is that tension of like, who do we put in those things? What does that look like? And I will say with that museum, the fact they put the roller coaster of like gay horrors was just like, I, I was like, okay, this is a good joke. It won't come back. And then it came back and I was like, not prepared for that to be a real thing. Well, yeah, the, the Bo and Yang scene was, um, was, was funny. Um, I, I, I guess one thing, I mean, to go from the funny to the serious for one second before we finish up, I'm, I, we didn't really, we talked about a little bit about how like the, uh, some of the real challenges that like are real things that gay people have to think about with respect to like Bobby being told to like tone it down at certain points of the movie. Like, that 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 idea like because the the big thing is that aaron asked him to do that after he has given the speech to him at provincetown uh and i we talked about we, and we also separately talked about billy like performance i'm like we didn't really specifically talk about like that monologue or, there's a couple monologues in this and i'm wondering like that is supposed to be like kind of the big like uh the big i, I don't want to say thesis kind of the thesis of the movie kind of just like the big moment for that character did like what, what do you because I because I, I've seen a couple of crit criticisms from, even from people that like the movie that thought like the movie was better when it was like showing and not telling and maybe like hey not even that it's like preachy on the whole but like the few times where it does kind of like try and talk about important things it's just like maybe not as compelling as when it's just like having more dynamic visual moments I'm wondering what did you kind of think about like that big moment that Bobby has when he actually opens up to Aaron uh do you be like on the beach in Provincetown yes. where you guys like had a monologue I liked it. Did it need to be as long as it was? I don't think so. I remember there being a point in the monologue where he pauses for a moment. I was like, oh, that was a good monologue. And then it keeps <laughs> going. And I was like, oh, we're still going. And I think there are some pieces of it that like, like I guess I'll get the perfect analogy, although I am behind on this, but I will say that like, I feel like a lot of the first half of the season of House of the Dragon has been like, well, we didn't want to do like a, like a storytelling scene. And so therefore we're doing like an entire like prologue season because we just didn't want to say it. And I think there are certain things, unless you like went just childhood, I think you just had to say. But I also think there are elements of those kind of discussions where like, like if you had had a scene where Aaron goes up to Bobby and says, look, 
I love that you're big and bald. This is your first time meeting my parents. I, I'm not saying forever. I'm saying for the first time, can we just be able chill for a little bit just to get them to like you before we like unleash the fire hose on them? I really care about this. And Bobby, like, I understand that this is who I am. Like, and then he finds out, like, you could have had the pivotal thing being lying about where he works. The fact that he lied about where he works and said he works at an American History Museum instead of like mm. a like a, a queer like queer history museum is actually like a pretty big betrayal. And so there's stuff like that where I think you could have had it be more about like in the relationship dynamic as opposed to to camera. That said, do I feel like Billy Eichner needed a little more notes in the forming of this movie? Yeah, I do. Um, that said, did I hate it? No, I didn't. And like, do I overall think that like when this movie hits, I don't know who, who's producing this, like, where's this going to end up on streaming? Is this it's going to be, be like, on Peacock because it's universal. Uh, I still need someone to explain to me why stuff is on Peacock and not Hulu anymore. I don't understand the lines anymore. Uh, I mean, who, I mean who, who is more owned by Disney? But like, I think Hulu might also get like NBC stuff the day after, but there's no actual like NBC shows I watch. So I don't really have to concern myself with it. Like the only, the only network show I'm watching right now is Abbott elementary and that's under the Disney umbrella. So it goes straight to Hulu the next day. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this, this will be on Peacock and hopefully the, the five people that have Peacock will love it on there. <laughs> uh, but I would just say that I think it will, I think it will work. I, I just think that like when you're thinking about economy and these kind of movies, I think, Again, when we talked about like having an easing in, I think if you had a few, if you had more of these characters where instead of it being like, if you didn't just have the trope of the football player and like the nerdy girl and like, like, which we call it, um, well, you know what movie I'm talking about with the five people in the library all day. What am I thinking? Oh, about? Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, where you have like, oh, we're different archetypes, but we can, we come together and you got her for the second, blah, blah. Like you, we have like 50 years of history with those kind of characters and understanding those dynamics and i think if we had a little more relationship to understand the difference between the like the conforming jock like gay guy and like the nerdy outspoken like loudmouth, i think you might not have to do that but i i don't think we've ever seen like quite this dynamic in a movie and so it's one of those things where i don't know if, if it yeah, weren't you know, literalized if it would work that's a good point i mean i think like we've seen like plenty of stuff where it's like, I mean, someone says, Oh, try, try not to be yourself to get that, to, to get that person to fall in love with you. Or, or even like maybe in like, and, or maybe even a little bit more in uh straight movies, like, or, sh or straight relationship rom-coms. It might be like, let's not tell them this one thing about you or something like that. When we're going to meet someone or like in like, hell, that's even a thing in meet the parents, you know, like there's mm -hmm. actually like a lot of stuff in meet the parents where it's like, I don't want my dad to know that like we, that we do that, that we, that we live together or that we, uh, that, that you're a smoker or stuff like that. Like it, that, that, there's stuff as old as time with that, but like, I don't, I can't really think of anyone being like, Hey, meet my parents. Like, uh, just like literally like, don't be this kind of gay or something like that. Like I, I, I that, that, that does seem new. Yeah. But that's also a very, like, I don't want to say universal, but there's like a very common thing where I, it's not true of me, but I do know people who feel this way where it's like, my family loves me despite me being gay not as like a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where like that acceptance. But I but I also think in this case, I think the important action is the fact that if you had Aaron betraying that as opposed to just kind of going around it, I think it would hit harder. I will also say that like the other thing in that discussion, going back to the serious point for a moment, mm -hmm. is one of the things that that the Billy Actors character is hitting on is the fact that actually you do need to teach children about gay things because they are they are already gay. They may not have yeah, virtualized yeah. it, but when they yeah. 
when they like, but you've always known you're a little different and like you kind of figure it out over time, but if you don't have role models and you don't have ideas of what that means and what those people are, you don't have that. You don't have anything to like can bring you into that. And so when people in like, like you're in Florida, when people are like, don't say gay to children, it's like, no, it's like really important because that helps them know that like, when you find out you're gay, that doesn't mean you're like, should go commit suicide. And what like, was your read? Real- well, yeah. What was your read on that scene as far as like anything he should have done differently? Cause I don't, I don't, I think they're, I think, I think it's understood that like, you know, Aaron's way more in the wrong, but like, do you think the idea is like maybe Bobby could have been a little more tactful and that's basically it. He didn't have, he, he tried to kind of like drop a bomb on the situation when it, it didn't have to go quite that far necessarily. My memory of the discussion is I think the ending point about like, do you teach your kids about uh, gay things is actually, I, I think that discussion was actually fine. I think the problem was all the things before it, which were very like, I remember he was just talking about like some very like again a little bit overly sexually explicit things where I was just like maybe we don't need to have these discussions that like your first time meeting like your I guess what we're saying is boyfriend's parents and so it was a little bit of like like I don't think this is a gay thing I think it's just a general thing of like the first time you meet people you are on quote-unquote best behavior and you like you don't give them everything of yourself maybe it's just my experience but you don't give them everything of yourself to begin with and you like there are things you talk about the first time you meet people. There are things you don't. And I think there's a little bit of that in there where I actually think that discussion, like they kind of got to agree to disagree. It was fine. And like Aaron was already all whipped up, but I do think there were like more underlying issues, which is just that like, like if he told his parents he worked at a gay, like a gay history museum, I don't think his mom would have been like, Oh, it's one of them. Like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're also we're, the we're, podcaster we're, part was probably worse than the, <laughs> the UBC. Yeah. Well, we're led to believe at the end that like, you know, they do the flash forward and the mom is cool with them, you know, yeah. and, and is like, is like all down to do the gay stuff basically is the way they portray her at the end. And it's like, yeah, I, I think the idea being like, just seeing that is like telling us that like, yeah, Aaron should have just like been more open with his family all along. If like that, if, if that is what she comes to be, it's like, yeah, that he, he could have like, he, he did not have to like keep them at arm's length in the way he thought he had to. Um, that's a very like, okay, let's go back to, you've seen love Simon, right? Yeah. Love, Simon is the funniest version of this where you have um, the parents who are uh, Jennifer Gardner. I'm forgetting who the dad's name is, but like Josh Dumont, who are like the perfect parents who are just like the most supportive. Like, you know, those parents would like have no problem with it. And like, frankly, might already know anyway. And you have him having a complete breakdown about coming out. And that's very real. That is a very real thing where you can you can know everything about how it will probably go and it's this incredibly unnerving thing and so you could imagine i think the fact that it was fine does not discount how he felt about it i think the issue there is not the emotions it's the actions and i think it's the disrespect Mm. to the bobby character about how he handled those things where it was like my insecurity is more and like when you he's vocalized that of like these are things that i don't do anymore because i like can't shut that side myself down and so I think that was the really hard part for me. And I think I think the thing about the ending scene is I think it gives the nice, like there's a give and take there where the mom has come into it. Like the Aaron character is like, clearly they're like back together. But also the fact that Bobby has come around a lot of Aaron's things where he did the little night at the museum thing at the museum. And you have like the little, all the SNL cameos of people being like, I'm this. And like- Seth Meyers as Harvey Milk was a choice. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it, but I I- this movie clearly understands, and again, Milk is a good example. This movie, like, there's an entire plot about gay cowboys in, like, this movie, and, like, oh, this yeah. movie clearly understands where it fits into, like, gay cinema history, and I think that's great, and I also think that, like, those kind of little bits are the lived-in pieces that I think 
when this movie, like if people watch this movie in like a decade, I think those lived in kind of moments will come to the fore in terms of like what it does really well. Yeah, I know. With the, but last thing I know, you said at the end, you like struggled with it because you just based on like, was that cheating? Was it not? Should he have taken him back? All that. Do you think like, regardless of whether or not the extent to which that was cheating, do you think, what did you think about like the, the like wooing him back of it all? Like, Hey, I make chocolates now I'm donating it to the center. And then all of a sudden, like it ev- eventually like, you know, Bobby does this kind of text. I'm like, Hey, what's up? And then I, I did like the scene with him, with him and his brother where it's like, Oh my God, he texted me. And, uh, and I, I, I enjoyed the dynamic between the two of them, but then it's like, all right, he shows up and then he sings in the Garth Brooks song. Like, do you think like we had seen Bobby go through it enough in that time after they broke up that you're like, you kind of at least understood why he would take him back. Even if like you, you would have struggled with the decision if you were in his shoes. I think the reason that I've come around on it is that I think you can view the relationship he has with Josh as being mm-hmm. a proxy for who he thinks he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think if you view it as if you view this Bobby relationship as challenging him and like making him kind of like look back at himself and be like, who do I, who am I actually versus who I've been told I'm supposed to be. And I think if you view what happens with Josh as him basically having like a nervous break after this thing with his family and Josh being a very easy like place to go back to, as opposed to just of like, I want to have sex with someone else. I think that made it easier for me to justify it where it's not just a like infidelity in itself. It's more of like a, proxy for all his insecurities and kind of having that break i think there are several other things that like for me personally would be red flags in this relationship mm-hmm. about like some of the open relationship stuff some of the, the the kids thing at the end was not a good sign um but i think in that way i think you could imagine a bobby character being like okay i understand where this is coming from let's see where it goes and i also think you could also buy like, so go back to Weekend for a second. Weekend is a really good example where at the end of that, they have this really special weekend and then it's over and he leaves town and it's done. And like, I have had multiple relationships like that in my life where like you meet someone and it's not the right time, time and it just yeah. never happens. And like, they're leaving for grad school, they're going wherever. And for me, I think those what ifs are a lot harder than relationships or like dates that just didn't work out as well as you wanted. And so I think... In this case, I think he would regret it if he didn't see it through and at least see what was there. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, anything else about the movie we didn't touch on yet that you wanted to shout out? Any of the cameos, any of the other jokes, anything else we didn't touch on yet you wanted to get on the record about before we signed off? Not especially. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was a I think it was a really enjoyable movie. I think this is a movie that will be remembered actually as like quite high art in a lot of ways. I think there's like a lot of really impressive storytelling choices. I think there's a lot of really impressive like set pieces like dialogue moments i think the way it's built is really impressive and i think especially compared to like some of the nick stoller movies or even some of the judd apatow movies that are like a little more bitch like that i think it's like a very well constructed movie and i'm kind of impressed that a studio let them kind of do it this way but um if you do have a chance to watch it at home watch it and also get past the first 30 minutes um gotta get past where you're just like like I was genuinely like, oh, I hate both of these people. What am I, why am I here? And like, it slowly reels you in. But like, one thing we didn't talk about is like, did it say he has a million subscribers or a million downloads? I thought it was a million subscribers. I think I might've said that, which is- A um, lot. That's like, yeah. Bill Simmons is like 2 million. Like that's a lot of people listening to a podcast. 
Yeah, for a podcast we didn't really hear much of. I guess he's just like riffing on his thoughts on things. I don't know. You know, I mean. I mean, but I will say like flat out, I know someone who I went to undergrad with who was not out during undergrad who has since like written a bestseller book, bestselling book about like queer history. And like, it's now like somewhat Instagram famous. And so like that is an angle where like people are very desperate. Like, and there's so little of this you're taught and so little of this you have. And like, you're really grasping for straws about like who you are and like who you relate to in that way. That like queer identity is very unique in that way. Whereas like, it's like very different from like racial or gender identity in that in that way. Although it has a lot of similarities with, with trans identity. That's a separate thing. But I think there is something about that that I could totally see people being like very desperate for. Um, I think the big picture referred to him as being like a little bit like Dan Carlin, hardcore history. And I was like, I could definitely see like a, if you had a hardcore history podcast about Stonewall, people would download that thing. <laughs> so, or even just like like lesser known things. So I, I did buy it, but you can also see like the, he's very confrontational the thing. He is straight to camera and very uh, definitive. But I, I, I like that you mentioned the Avatar st- stuff one more time because that was the last point I was going to make was that like, I think when people talk about the Judd Avatar movies, most of which I like, a, a fair critique is like, hey, maybe a lot of these are kind of similar where there's just like a, a man that needs to like kind of figure his shit out and then a, and then he a, a woman comes into his life and kind of helps him do that. And um, whether, whether that be like, you know, I don't know, knocked up, four-year-old virgin, king of Staten Island. Um, and even, even I'm sure that, that even applies to some of the ones that like he just produced that I'm not thinking of right now, you know, that's not what this is. And that's another way in which I think the story of the movie is unique. And that like, you know, there's a, there's a version of this where he, he there, there's a version of this that's a more direct analog for train wreck. And, um, and like, I guess train wreck, it's, I mean, it, that, that one, it's like, Hey, yeah, it's cool that you can show the woman being the mess too, but there she like, you know, meets the straight lace bill hater doctor that like, you know, like ends up getting her to a different place. Uh, and like, there's a version of that where that's what this is, where the, our main, the, the Billy Eichner character is just like more of a mess and he just meets this other guy and like he, and then he like figures his life out and it's not that. And I think it's kind of cool that like the way, like we already talked about how they work the Luke McFarlane character in differently. And he, and you come to, in some ways, it's like almost as much in a, in a way it's like there, there are ways in which his story is centered at, through for a large parts of the movie. And I just think that makes it also kind of unique. And like, maybe, maybe it's not the first time that's ever been done. Like with something like say like, you know, when Harry met Sally or whatever, like, I think that's, it's, it's fair. If you want to say there, you like, you're centering on two characters a lot that are kind of like both like changing, but like, I, I just think like, as far as things we've seen recently, I don't, don't tell someone that like, eh, it's a, just a kind of a Judd Apatow type thing. Like it's, it's more than that when they think of like what a Judd Apatow movie is. And I hope people like, you know, give it a shot and don't write it off just because of that. If for whatever reason they're averse and they're kind of tired of what they perceive those movies to be. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. more of a Nick Stoller movie than a Judd Apatow in terms of at least like the tone and like some of the jokes and stuff like that. I, I would, I think Judd Apatow, like you have some high concept, but I do like, I was actually curious. I was checking to if he was actually like, it was actually like he was one of the EPs and he is, but I was, mm-hmm. I was actually a little surprised by that. I could have seen Apatow being a little more of like a getting it made, but not being like top of line on it. Uh, one last thing we should mention real quick is just the fact that they did cast like all like LGBTQ people in this. And I feel like that's actually something that was like, I found Deborah really- messing, but like she, 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 she gets invited to the party anyway. All the main, uh, main <laughs> gay, men, gay characters are played yeah, by yeah. gay people. And I actually feel like that's really important just because I think one thing that happens a lot and still happens in Hollywood is the fact that gay men, once they come out, they are, they're only viewed as gay. And so it's very hard. There've been a couple, um, the guy who's the lead in, oh, what's the, um, what's the Netflix show that the, the 17th, like the, 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 uh, like Elizabethan, like British show, but it's got people of color in it. Bridgerton. That, Bridgerton. The the lead guy in that's gay. Um, 
I'm forgetting what his name is. Oh, the but... white guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guy who's the the guy who's in a couple of seasons too. I didn't watch but, season two, but he was in some of season one, but I know who you're talking about. Jonathan Bailey. Um, he, uh, he plays Anthony, but that's like a very rare thing. And that's actually really important because I think what happens a lot to people is they don't get opportunity. And so there is something about like, as much as we do talk about people like playing other things and like you can play anything, I think there is something really important about giving people opportunity where like, I do think that like Luke McFarlane will probably get more opportunities off of this than he's had in probably the past. Like he's probably done a lot of Hallmark movies because they are a steady paycheck and he has not gotten he's a couple shows that he tried to do for a little while. They were like Canadian shows, but he hasn't really gotten a lot of stuff since Bob and sisters. And so I think there was something important about like giving those people opportunities to actually like to shine and be able to like play romantic leads in that way. Yeah. Well, uh, by the time people listen to this, unfortunately, I think the movie will mostly be out of theaters, but as we've referenced, hopefully uh, you, you recommend it to a friend on streaming after this and tell them to uh, come listen to us, talk about it. Uh, John, uh, Anything else you've been watching recently you want to plug? I know you've been pretty busy. And if not, um, just anything else you want to plug personally, social media wise, anything like that? Uh, I saw The Woman King uh, day before oh. this. And I'm going to come to Yeah. We, okay, cool. I was, I was interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I people will have probably heard the podcast I did on this on that by the time this comes out. I it was great. Like about Go it. see it. I was okay. incredible. Um, okay. Incredible movie. Um, probably like. It, it feels like a movie that we haven't seen in a long time and that's like a really fun thing and like mm-hmm. I would love to see a lot more of those movies get made and like even that also just like Jenna Prince Blythewood getting like actually a big budget to do something is like awesome and so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it I think that was a rollicking time for the movies too like I went with my teenage sister and she also really enjoyed it um and so I would highly recommend it at the end of the, at the end of the at the end of the Woman King podcast I, I, I plugged one that I hadn't watched recently which was her uh, her last feature before the old guard beyond the lights, which I mean, uh, so I don't need to plug that again, but uh, great movie. Um, I would, I honestly, I've been, I've done like five movies in the last like podcast in the last week in advance of going out of the country for 10 days. So like, I've, I've, I think I've run out of recommendations. I, 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 I watched, I watched like the first episode of reboot on Hulu, which I saw a couple like bad reviews for and like, uh, but overall, Rachel like, Bloom's reviews. in it. Talk about gay icons. I hope I, I want to watch that. I hope it's good. So I, the, the first episode was solid. I feel like I saw a couple of people that I, whose opinions I trust were like more critical of it, but like, I, I like the concept so much that like, I wanted to give it a shot and I, and I had a good time with the first episode, but that's all I've watched. So I can't like give a whole hard recommendation about it, but like, I just think like, I, 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 I kind of, I guess I'm a little bit of a sucker for like shows about show business like that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see like, if they can like, if it, if, if it keeps working for me, cause I did enjoy the first one and I did enjoy Rachel Bloom in it um as usual uh john or john do you want to plug your letterbox or anything like that you, you pop oh, on every now and then i'm forgetting what my letterbox is my uh, twitter is uh jl and then my last name is police p-u-l-i-c-e i believe my letterbox is uh what is it yeah. oh, i clicked on I I, I, it's either I, I the same or it's john police which is my like j-o-h-n police <laughs> it's one of the two um you i do log stuff on there um but otherwise check that out and i will say we talked about it a little bit but like one thing i will plug is uh go watch weekend it's one of my favorite movies um Tom Cry- Tom Criterion. Criterion. Yeah. yeah great movie you 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 are you are john police on there two words just to be clear 
okay, as, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, <laughs> J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast email is realmoviepod at gmail.com. Podcast Twitter is at realmoviepod. Coming up next, this might be like the last one I record before I go out of the country. I'm not sure yet. I might, but like, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it to Don't Worry Darling or make it to a podcast on Don't Worry Darling due to scheduling issues with the couple different guests who are maybe going to do it. And if I don't, then if I don't, and I might still try and do one on Lyle Isle Crocodile. And if not, then the next one will be Halloween Ends with our friends Adam and Kayla, who did the first two of those with us, and they will be back to finish out the trilogy. So thanks again to John for joining. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time.